Hello, everyone. Uh, happy Sunday is when I am recording this, Sunday, February 21st, and it is very, very cold here in Philadelphia. Um, lots of snow on the ground. It's been snowing for the past two weeks on and off, and the temperatures got up into the 40s one day this week, so a lot of it melted, and then uh, it went back down into the 20s, and it snowed again, and there's been freezing and refreezing, and so it's it's pretty messy and um, gross outside, but we're doing our best. Um, I'm very thankful just to have weather in general and to have some snow. Um, the sun's actually out today, so it's pretty great, but uh, moving on. So I did finish, uh, actually finish, season one of Bridgerton over the past couple days, um, so I had discussed episode one on its own, and then episodes two and three, and I was hoping to do just two episodes at a time, since it's just me talking about them right now, but um, I was actually enjoying the season a lot, so I went ahead and just finished the rest of it, and I'll have another episode coming out, um, hopefully later this week, where I talk about um, the rest of the season and expectations for season two. I'm definitely going to have to do some more research now into the books to be able to talk about it more at length and about what an adaptation of season two might look like. Um, but for now, I wanted to put this episode out there because last night I was looking for something different to watch and I really miss being able to, um, travel internationally. Um, and I always enjoy documentaries, not necessarily travel shows or travel documentaries, but just f documentaries about, um, international documentaries, I guess I should say, and I think that they give a really nice, um, behind-the-scenes, um, lived-life look a lot of times that you don't really get, um, with the kind of Anthony Bourdain, um, highly produced travel documentaries that were popular in the last, um, uh, 10, I guess, to 15 years. So I found, I was um, poking around on the internet, and I found this one um, Chinese documentary uh, on Amazon Prime streaming, if you are an Amazon Prime member for free, called The Chinese Mayor. Um, I guess as a little bit of background, I studied uh, Mandarin Chinese at uh, in, in undergrad at uni, and I did, I was very, very fortunate to be able to do a study abroad at the University of Hong Kong for a fall semester. So I spent like five months in um, in Hong Kong at the, uh, the Hong Kong University. So I have a little bit of a history with studying uh, Chinese culture and history and language, and I've always been fascinated by watching Chinese movies. My, my Mandarin is pretty terrible now. I can understand maybe every other word. Um, I can pick out and read some characters, but nowhere like I used to be able to. Um, but I do still have all my textbooks, and I keep meaning to do Rosetta Stone and try to dive into that, but um, in any case, I will just keep going on. So The Chinese Mayor is a Chinese uh, Mandarin language film in English subtitles. It is a 2015 documentary um, however, it feels like it just came out on Amazon in the past two or three years. Um, it did premiere in 2015, um, at Sundance, but it was the, the Sundance Film Festival in the United States. Um, but it definitely was shot several years before that because... Um, well, I'll, I'll read the brief synopsis first. The, the original title in Chinese is just Da Tong, which is the um, name of the, um, the city where um, 
the film takes place. So it's a 2015 documentary that follows Da Tong Mayor Gong Yanbo's efforts to transform one of China's most polluted cities into a cultural destination, in large part by displacing 500,000 residents, uh, which would equate to 200,000 homes, to reconstruct the 14th century Ming Dynasty walls of the old city. So the documentary was directed by Zhou Hao and produced by Zhao Qi. It was written by both of them. And um, the credits are listed as starring Gung Yanbo, who is the mayor, the eponymous mayor of the documentary. Um, So, yeah, it definitely feels like it was shot before 2015. They make several mentions of the fact that the project of um, rebuilding the city walls and sort of getting a cultural city center hopes to be completed in 2015, which they mentioned several times are a couple years off. Um, Oh, and I guess, yeah, at the end of the film, um, spoiler alert, um, uh, Gong Yanbo is actually transferred by the um, Communist Party higher-ups to a different city while they're still in the middle of um, constructing the wall and um, tearing down some of the apartment blocks and the apartment housing. And they say that that was around um, Chinese New Year, so it would be February of 2013, I believe. So... A lot of the action takes place 2012, and then the early part of um, 2013. So I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, It was a breezy 86 minutes long, um, which is really nice. It's a really perfect length for a documentary, especially one uh, in subtitles. I don't mind subtitles. I happen to enjoy films with subtitles. Um, Sometimes I think watching an actual film or a a picture... um, um, fiction-wise is a little difficult because you don't get quite the full experience of being able to look and observe and take in everything on the screen as well as the actor's um, expressions while you're trying to read. I know not everyone is a fast reader, so that can obviously pose a problem. And some people just want to be able to um, be on their phone occasionally while they're watching a movie or just enjoy, again, the scenery and the visuals. And sometimes having to read subtitles takes away from that. Um Obviously, I think it's a little different in documentaries because there's not necessarily as much talking in documentaries, but documentaries are, as George Lucas would say, sometimes almost tone poems, and um, they're very visual, and the interviews, the way that they're cut together, I don't find subtitles... I, well, I don't think subtitles are distracting or annoying to begin with, except in some rare circumstances, as I just described. But I don't really notice them in documentaries at all. Um, and especially in this film, you just kind of get with the flow at a certain point. Um, but it was really, really enjoyable. Um, it was a brisk 86 minutes, as I, as I said. And it starts off um, kind of following day in the life what this mayor is doing. And essentially, um, so my understanding of how... Um, the this part of Chinese politics works is that um, mayors are appointed by higher ups in the Chinese Communist Party to different cities, uh, towns, prefectures, etc. across um, the People's Republic of China, and the mayors do have to be elected, but they're elected by um, the Communist Party members and members of the local um, people's committee and standing committees so it's it's pretty complicated but basically this this mayor was elected and he was appointed to be in datong this this city that um used to be um the capital of one of the um 
the Chinese dynasties. It, I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now to try to refresh myself. I did some research last night before I um, went to record this today, but obviously it would have been better if I had a, an outline or something of this better. Um, so it looks like it was formerly called Pingcheng County, um, and it was the capital of the Northern Wei Dynasty from 398 to 494 A.D., and there were grottos, and uh, there's, there's, there's one scene where they follow the mayor, and there's a big um, Buddha um, statue carved into the side of a mountain, which would be what a, a grotto sort of is. And those were constructed during this time, um, 460 to 494 AD. So the city and the area surrounding it has a lot of history. A lot of history. Um, but, oh, and, and it was eventually named Datong in 1048 AD, where it was the um, western capital of the Jurchun Jin dynasty prior to being um, raided and sacked by the Mongols. And um, it was then sacked again by the uh, Ming at the start of the Ming dynasty in 1649. Um, but then the city was rebuilt in 1652. So by 1982, the big part of this um, film in this documentary is that the um, city walls sort of remained, but they were building, they were trying to rebuild a lot of them and rebuild um, the city walls to make it look old school and a cultural um, center in the center of town. So by 1982, a portion of Datong city walls remained and became one of the national historical and cultural cities of 1982. Um, and there was an old city that kind of sprung up around this city wall where there were a lot of um, concrete apartment blocks and apartment buildings. And it comes out in the film that apparently a lot of those concrete apartment blocks and buildings and houses were all illegal, um, privately built, and then sold to individuals. And my understanding is that um, there's no private property in the People's Republic of China. Most people, um, first of all, their residency papers and where you're born is typically where you're allowed to basically purchase slash rent a home from the government. And if you move, you have to apply for residency. You can kind of be a temporary resident if you say move from the countryside to Beijing, but you have to apply for permanent residency, which is not always granted. And um, the government basically owns all of the houses and sort of lease them to you. Um, and so with that being said, it looks like a situation was that um, a lot of the homes that are around this um, 14th century Ming Dynasty defensive wall that's at the, the, the center of the city, which is the big controversy, is that they were privately built without when, when there was a housing shortage and the government couldn't adequately provide. And now that the government wants to um, bulldoze them to create this garden, uh, recreate this garden in the center of the town, um, the people don't necessarily have like full leases or government documents proving that they're the owners. So they're not necessarily entitled to full compensation. Um, even though they do get relocated, um, all every, everyone is offered an apartment, but then there's obviously... Um, small um what's what's the word i'm looking for um the the logistics of the situation of well i'm going to be homeless for maybe nine days while it takes to move things in i don't have time to get all my stuff where am i supposed to put my stuff i can't just run a u-haul um that's not available in this city um and these people are very often poor 
Um, so I can't necessarily just rent a U-Haul to hold all my stuff. I can't get my stuff out. I'm older. Um, one woman comes to the mayor complaining that, you know, she was relocated to an apartment that her, that her nephew moved into, but it's on the sixth floor of an apartment building and she's too old and she can't climb. Um, so all throughout the mayor is basically trying to get this wall, um, the, the new walls and these new buildings built and the old housing blocks demolished. And as he's going along, it's, it seems like he's encountering what is a microcosm of some of the problems that if you follow, um, reporting on, um, Chinese politics and development, you hear quite a bit that there is a lot of will and drive, especially on the mayor's part, but there is a lot of corruption and back dealing that goes on. Um, in one scene where he's looking at the new apartment block housing area, it's almost like a university dormitories is actually what it reminded me of, like a university, like an American university campus. There's sort of like a campus area with like eight or nine, um, maybe 14 story, 20 story apartment buildings. And there's like common areas and sort of like a campus in the center, which is where they're relocating everyone to. And they are removing some brickwork that was laid down as part of a pathway and underneath is just plain gravel and apparently it was supposed to be concrete to build a solid foundation and the mayor is um, reaming out the this this one contractor and telling him he's gonna have to pay all the money back and in another scene um, the drainage pipes that they're installing um, for some of the housing and in the new section of town are too narrow they're not wide enough for all the sewage needs of the new area and it's just a lot of people cutting corners it seems like and the mayor keeps wanting to get things done and get things accomplished but the construction keeps running very very slowly um too slowly for um his liking too slowly for the rest of the town they can't stay on schedule they keep having to redo things because they find out again that um like the the, the concrete wasn't properly poured or the right building materials weren't used and he keeps building up. He it, Part of the documentary is chronicling how he gets very little sleep and his wife's mad at him because he's kind of devoting his whole life into this project and to rebuilding things. Um, he was in a previous city where he was stationed before and he was rebuilding a lot. And he keeps reminding everyone that he could be transferred at any time uh, by the Communist Party and he might not be here forever. And if they don't get it done while he's still there as mayor, then... The, uh, the project may never actually be completed if someone else comes in and tries to shut it down. So he kind of has full authority to make these decisions as the um, what we would call in America the, the executive, the executive branch of this local uh, municipal government. But he has to deal with what would be considered the legislature, which is the, um, the, the uh, Communist Party um, committee and the standing committee that he has to work with. And he's working with contractors to try to get everything done. And it chronicles several people who um, go to the mayor and ask him um, for advice to try to get help. Um, there's a group of uh, farmers who live just outside the city who are supposed to have their kids going to an urban school in the city, but that never happened. And they bring him their petition and he signs it and says, all right, we're, we're going to get this taken care of. So... Almost like what a lot of people in America complain about is they see there's almost too much government or they're afraid of there being too much government and too many um, government organizations and too much red tape everywhere. I think you could definitely say that um, this documentary, there's no real bad guy because the mayor is definitely trying to help the city and he wants to revitalize it and he wants to make this a cultural center so that international tourists and domestic tourists will come and appreciate the um, rebuilt wall a little bit 
along with some of the other um, rebuilt cultural centers, because if you don't know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, during the Cultural Revolution, I mean, that was, well, that was primarily in the 60s, but a lot during um, the People's Republic of China's big renovating, it was basically renovating the entire country, um, they destroyed, dismantled, or got rid of a lot of cultural heritage or older buildings, especially in Beijing, it's very well known. Um, you can Google it and look up some pictures that there was an old city wall that was completely demolished um, to be able to reuse the building materials to make the city more open and make it more of a modern municipality, um, which is very much a, um, I guess you could say, a communist socialist ideology that you see. Same thing with the October Revolution and Lenin and Stalin and Russia and some of the eastern Soviet states is um, wanting to get rid of the old anachronistic um, orthodox traditions to try to bring the country, whatever country it is, into the modern world and update it. You see this in the French Revolution also, where um, the outside of Notre Dame, some of the gargoyles and statues were torn down. They're now in a museum. And the way the outside of Notre Dame looks now before it was damaged in the fire uh, a year ago, two years ago, 2018, is all from the mid to late 1800s after um, Victor Hugo wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame, sort of as a love letter to preserving the um, cathedral because it had been so damaged during the French Revolution. But I, I digress. Um, but that is to say that, like, the French Revolution, they experimented with, like, a 10, making everything sort of based off of the metric system and having, like, a 10-day week and, a, like, a 10-month a, a year and trying to come... And it didn't really work. So sometimes these things work and sometimes they don't. And obviously China has had an excellent economic miracle over the past 20 to 30 years. Um, part of that is the mayor is saying that because capitalism is so restricted in uh, the People's Republic of China that the city of Datong um, only has like a certain square mileage area where they're allowed to have foreign investment and basically have startups and he's saying the city won't be able to survive um, in the future just based on that. Um, previously, the city's main economic um, driver was um, coal mining, but um, everyone, including China, is trying to get away from mining coal because it is such a pollutant, and China sort of utilized coal and fossil fuels as it was um, industrializing, but now they're trying to move away from that because, as is in the media and as everyone in China knows, the pollution is really, really bad. Uh, sometimes you can't even, the, the sky is just completely covered in gray clouds all the time. So he's trying to argue, the mayor is trying to argue that this cultural center is really needed. The city needs to be revitalized. In one scene, he sent out a, another um, employee from the mayor's department, uh, I suppose, to purchase um, from other cities and surrounding areas. Um sort of cultural artifacts or pieces of buildings like stonework and hand-carved um, statues that then they're going to put and place up around this new cultural center. So that that was interesting. It would be a librarian or a um, an archaeologist's worst nightmare because none of it was very clearly um, curated or cataloged. Um, so it was very hard to know where any of it was coming from. And uh, I think everybody's inner archaeologist was probably dying at that point. But it was a really, really great uh, documentary. Uh, we've been on for 20 minutes so far, and just me talking, it can get very boring. But I would highly recommend this documentary, um, The Chinese Mayor, on Amazon Prime, streaming for free. If you have Amazon Prime, uh, you can probably rent it or buy it otherwise, but I would probably recommend just renting it, unless you really wanted to watch it for a second time. Um, as I discussed before, 
towards the end of the film, it is revealed um, after he's reelected that he's suddenly going to be transferred to another city. So he's very, very upset and devastated. There's a couple scenes of him crying because um, he's come to love the city so much and kind of see this city and its revitalization as a pet project of his. There is a banquet scene where everybody toasts to his last day, and then he moves, and the sort of epilogue is that in the new city that he's moved to, um, this mayor was able to oversee the building of, like, six over overpasses, a bunch of underground highways, a new subway line, and he just really, really cares about modernizing and doing these big infrastructure projects. But back in Datong, the new mayor did not have the same um, viewpoint perspective on economic um, diversifying as... Um, the previous mayor did and that the city wall project is left deteriorating um they haven't continued to build it out anymore like they had started um some of the apartment complexes are half demolished and are not um they haven't finished with it everybody who was displaced it was basically displaced for um for no reason almost because the project just kind of stopped exactly where it was so it's a, it's a little bittersweet, but there really are no villains in this um, documentary, except maybe um, government uh, procedure and red tape, which is certainly um, not unique to the People's Republic of China. I think anyone who's either worked in government or has carefully worked alongside government can tell you there are always too many uh, government agencies and too few resources, um, surprisingly. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I highly recommend the Chinese mayor streaming on Amazon prime. I thought it was a really great window into a unique situation of China's development. And it was a great people story. And especially now, uh, since it's been a year since anyone's really been able to travel, um, even internationally, it was a great window into mainland China. So highly recommend it. Thank you all. And in the next week, be looking for a discussion on the second half of Bridgerton season one. Um, from there, I'm hoping to maybe record a conversation with one of my friends where we review and talk about The Hangover, a movie that's both partial to uh, that's partial to both of us a lot. Um, and I've got some other things on the back burner. I really don't have a um, a good schedule or theory of what it is I want to start watching and recording, but I don't really have much of a uh, listener base yet. But if you are listening, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Please um, uh, comment, rate, tell me what I'm doing bad, tell me what can be done better, tell me what you want to see or hear or listen to. So for right now, I'm just going to start picking things that I haven't watched in a while that I've been meaning to watch or that I'm watching anyway, and I'm going to hope to uh, talk about them and to share my thoughts. So thank you all, and stay warm out there.